Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. Today's title of this conversation that I have with you this morning is more in a question. And I'm going to ask you this morning, every one of us, to put our hand over our heart. I want you to close your eyes. I don't want you to look out. I want you to look in. Put your hand over your heart. I want you to forget right now about children, husbands next to you, wives next to you, everybody, and just look inside of you. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Is there a river in me? Is there a river in me? Is there a flowing river deep within me? With your eyes closed, Father, in the name of Jesus, as we place our hands over our hearts, I pray, Lord, that by the anointing of your Holy Spirit, you would speak to each and every one of us, Lord. What I cannot explain for myself, Father, Holy Spirit, you speak to the hearts of your people. Let every word, Father God, that might be my own, fall on dry ground, but every word that proceeded from the mouth of God this morning, let it come and sear the hearts of your people and give us life. We ask these things and receive these things in faith in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. And I'm in. Is there a river in me? That's a very important question. You know, the Apostle Paul told the church of Corinth that it was important for us to examine ourselves. You know, we are accustomed to examine others many times more than we examine ourselves. Can you say amen? It's true. It's true. We are more apt to look at the lives of others, engage them, and see... What's all about them? Where are they at? And regardless in any area, it might be even in their spiritual walk. Well, you know, we judge people and we say, well, this person here, this individual here is more or less here and there in his walk with God. And we begin to judge people. But the scripture is specific to tell us, the apostle speaking said, you need to examine yourselves. You, look at, you need to look at your own heart. And there's great purpose for that. He says to see if you are in the faith. To see if those things that the Lord has put in your heart through salvation really exist deep within you. I guess in another term, he, he may could have said, take inventory for yourselves. Look inside of the shelvings of your heart and find what inventory you have deep within. And see that what you have in there is really what God expects you to hold in the pantry of your heart. In John chapter 7, we find the scripture of choice this morning. A couple of passages that I'll read as a platform this morning to focus us on the point of topic, if you will. John 7 and 38 reads as follows. He that believeth in me, as the scripture says, from within him shall flow rivers of living water. He that believeth in me. As the scripture, we know that Christ himself is the scripture. He is the word. Amen. In the beginning, in the beginning was the word. So we could interpret this as saying, he that believeth in me, and as I have said, from within him, those that believe in me shall flow rivers of living water. John 14 and 11 
This is Jesus speaking to the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. And there is a conversation about drinking water. He asks the woman to give him a little drink. And he offers her to give her a drink. And the challenge is, well, how can I can give you water because I have a pail to draw from deep within this well. But you have nothing to draw it from. So how can you offer me water? Then the conversation of living waters comes into play. Verse 11, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his, his sons as well and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this well will be thirsty again. He's giving her a contrast. There's a difference between the well you offer me and the water I am offering you. Everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them, key words in this conversation, key words in this conversation between him and this woman, and key words in this conversation between us today as we discuss this. I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Water, rivers. I was telling the church this morning, you know, those of us who are accustomed to reading the Word of God daily, and I pray that all of us should. Thank you for being honest. All of us should read God's Word daily. But I have to admit that when you do that, it becomes a little trivial sometimes. Now, please forgive me for saying that. It becomes a little trivial. You get used to it. You say, well, I've got to, I always read, I have a chapter a day. Some people are in a custom, I always read a verse in the morning. Or you have a devotional, and you read that devotional. And sometimes you read that devotional uh, again and again, and you're bound to go through it again after a few months. And everything remains the same. Yes, you enjoy the fact that the scripture is beautiful and everything else, but nothing really seems to take life as you read it. But all of a sudden, You may have read the same verse 10, 20, 30 times, but that morning or that afternoon or whenever you find your quiet time, you take time to read that passage again, and it takes life in you. Has anybody ever had that experience? Amen. I know that I have. I've read the simplest verse in Scripture sometimes, and I go like, well, this is what it says, for God so loved the world. And then the next day, I'll read it again, and, and it touches my heart. And it breaks me. Am I the only one? It happens to all of us, doesn't it? All of a sudden, uh, that passage, I guess it depends on what circumstance you're in or, or what day it is of the day or have you had lunch. I have no idea what it is, but God gives that word life and it affects you. Well, this particular passage in chapter 7, verse 38 of the book of John, I find such a passage. In the simplest terms, sometimes Jesus says the simplest things. Yet in a few words, he says the most vast and profound things as he does in this passage. What strikes me the most and what jumped out at me this past week as I was reading God's word concerning this was that he said that within me, there would be a river. 
That's astounding. What a metaphor. What an illustration. What an analogy to say that inside of me there was something living. As I meditate on this passage, it strikes me that the Lord would be that descriptive, if you will. In this particular passage, I find him describing what I believe is the most profound way our salvation should be. You know, we spend time testifying. Next to reading God's word, we should all spend time testifying to people, witnessing. We should. And one of the difficult things that we find when we speak to people is describing to them what it's like to be saved. And we've learned that we have a, a little storyline that we pretty much practice. All of us do. We have that testimonial little sequence that we have when we're going to talk to somebody. Uh, you speak the loudest things that have happened to you. Obviously, you say, well, ever since I got saved, I'm joyful now. I used to be a, a bitter person. Now, I, uh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And you say to somebody else, well, my walk with God. Uh, and all this encouraging, trying to encourage them to find their new life in Christ as well by them being encouraged with the things that you have experienced yourself. And that, For me, walking in Christ has been like, oh, as the scripture says, from glory to glory. When knowing that the promises of God are always yes and amen. And scripture after scripture give us different uh, uh, descriptions, if you will, or characteristics about salvation. Oh, our, our walk with God is one that is overcoming. Uh, when you come to Christ, it's a life of victory. It's a life of peace, a, a life of security. And so we do everything we can to tell people of what we experience in our lives concerning our salvation and walk with God. But here in John, Jesus kind of throws us for a loop. He, he just baffles, at least me. Of all the things I've described my salvation to people in all the years I've been standing behind a pulpit and all the times that I've had a chance to minister to people in the street, in the store, in the workplace, wherever it is, I read what Jesus said and it astounds me that he would say salvation is likened to a rushing river deep within you. It's like an unstoppable flow. Something that is moving deep within you. What Jesus is doing here obviously is something that he wants us to really pay close attention to or else he would have never mentioned it. Of all the things that maybe the apostle said when he said I was the chief of sinners and he gave the people all these external effects or visible but yet things that people could identify with. Jesus takes them on the inside and says you know something? There's something within you that causes all of that. And he's obviously focusing us now on the Holy Spirit. 
And that's what I want us to look at just for a moment today. For us as believers, we are told in Scripture that if indeed this river runs through us, there is characteristics, a couple of things that Jesus mentions about this or causes us to think about that, ladies and gentlemen, should give visible proof of that river. I asked you this morning as I began to speak to you to place your hand upon your heart. And in the form of a question, you said, is there a river in me? Is there a river in me? I believe that that question should be asked by ourselves every morning. Am I moving? Am I living? Am I confident? Do I have visible proof of that river living in me? We spend more time, as I said, telling people about the external things and the joy and the peace and all these things that we speak about concerning salvation. But we seldom take time and intense time, if you will, serious time to express to them the need for the Holy Spirit. When indeed, ladies and gentlemen, I believe that you'll agree with me, every believer here in the house, is that the major factor for everything that gives us joy, peace, victory, and overcoming is the Holy Spirit. Amen? Are you with me this morning? Now, Jesus said again in this verse, he said, he's, the Bible says, that he's, this he said of the Spirit that those who believe in him were to receive. For the Holy Spirit, he said, had not yet come because Jesus had not been glorified yet. So we confirm that this Spirit, number one, is supposed to be in us. Yo, though we take less time even to preach about it from our pulpits, we seldom preach about the presence of the Holy Spirit. We normally speak about things of how we can better ourselves as we come to the Lord. Again, coming back to the fact that without the primary factor who is the working agent of God, we can never experience joy in all these external things and internal things unless it be by the strength of Him. Let's see how he describes it. And this is what I believe those of us who ask that question to ourselves should look to. You see, it was before this time that the Holy Spirit would move amongst the community of people in an external way. All the way in the New Testament, you'll find that the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, even the Ark of the Covenant, they were all places that the Lord resided. You remember that in Scripture? Yes? Okay, without going through scripture and taking you back, it'll take us forever to get there. But, but you'll know that the, when the people of Israel, it used to be the high priest, or used to be Moses or Abraham or someone who would go and intercede for the people. But yet when they wanted to meet with God, they would all go to the tent of meeting, the tabernacle. And when the Lord was going to move with the people, they would get the Ark of the Covenant, remember? And so it was an external relationship that, that, that the Spirit of the Lord had with the people. And so even in the times of Christ, before he said these things, this is the way the Holy Spirit worked. He, he would move around superficially. Now, uh, amongst the need of him, he would come and perform his work, help the people out, heal. Whatever he was going to do, he would do the job, but then he would retreat. But when Jesus talks to them now about this river from within, he's he is changing the pattern of how things are going to be with Christ and us. The Bible says in the book of John, chapter 14 and 16, this is Jesus saying, he mentions this one thing that I want you to pay attention to. He said, I will pray the Father and he will, 
I, uh, he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because he does not see him or know him. But you know him because he dwells with you. You see, there's an external relationship with the Holy Spirit. This is why we say the Lord is in this place. Amen? This is why you have people testify when there's such an anointing in the house. I sense the presence of the Lord. That's why the scripture teaches about a Shekinah glory. People could sense the movement of God exteriorly. You could feel him. Some people have testified, oh, I feel the hair and my skin standing in. I sense the presence of the Lord. He works with us externally. But here Jesus says something of greater importance. He says now, but you know him because he dwells with you and will be, everybody say, in me. In me. Tell your neighbor, he is in you. He is in you. No longer just external, but he is an internal person. Okay? He lives deep within us now. Yeah, give him praise if you're going to give him praise. But here's the catch. How do you know? What proof do you have? How do you show people or tell people that, they're, that the Holy Spirit is deep within you? You just say, well, the Holy Spirit is in me. Really? But you see, this is where Jesus is, is, is so awesome. He, he gives you characteristics and he gives you things, uh, metaphors and, and, and knowledges to show you that what he offers is not only going to come superficially or, or in an invisible way that just people have to blindly believe you. No, but he gives you signs of truth that what he said is real. Remember that people had trouble believing Christ one time and Jesus said, if you don't believe what I say, then believe the things I do. Everything Jesus does is revealed. There's no guessing. Well, God healed me. How do you know? Well, I'm not sick anymore. He saved me. Well, what do you mean he saved you? I'm not who I am anymore. You, you have evidences of salvation. And in the same way as he speaks of the Holy Spirit, there are evidences That we need to find that deep within us if indeed this river is running in us. So what is the description this morning? Number one, he describes us as a flowing or rushing river. Now all we have to do now is study or speak a little bit about a rushing river. And we'll find several things about it that we can understand. Because we have several rushing rivers in our world today. I'm sure all of us have seen a rushing river a time or two. And so the first thing we need to make note that as he mentions this flowing river, he's not speaking about something that is quiet, passive, or simply streaming or trickling, if you will, like a small little flow. He's talking about something that is moving and has forth force to move forward. You know... Uh, many of you know, uh, over the years, uh, my boys and I, my family, we normally, Thanksgivings or Christmases, we'll try to take two or three days off and we'll go to our place that we have down Kerrville area. We couldn't this year. We've been very busy. 
And we've not been able to, other than sit down and have dinner for ourselves just this one time this week. And it's, uh, it's difficult because everybody's busy and got things going on. And it's not like it used to be. But we used to uh, take time. I think last year was the last time that we did. We couldn't do it this year. But we'd go uh, to the west at the Kerrville. And we have a place out there. And we'd spend two or three days together, have Thanksgiving. And we'd be isolated in the woods. And it's just, just an awesome time to be together. Cell phones don't work. Ah. Now you'll know why some of them don't want to go. <laughs> cell phones don't work. And that's a beautiful thing. Some of you need to learn how to turn your cell phones off. And you'll find out you're married. <laughs> you'll find out you have children. And some of you children will find out you have parents. Come on, church. a good place to say Amen. Some of you may find out that the pastor's preaching. <laughs> but on the way over there, quickly, I'll try not to take too long. Uh, there's a very popular river, a couple of, in fact, there are several rivers, the Guadalupe River that runs through Kerrville, San Antonio, and then you have the Frio River who runs through Lakey and Concan and all those areas, Uganda, there, Gardner State, all that area, and then there's the Nueces River. We're, we're more acquainted with the Nueces River because when we go up there, we normally, in the summer, we like to take our kids out to swim and stuff, and normally it's very beautiful, but we have gone to that place, at least I've gone to that place and looked at when it's not running, and it's a really sad time for the kids because we can't do what we want to. We don't even plan on going to the river because we passed by and we saw that it was stagnant. And you know that a stagnant river, ladies and gentlemen, creates a little film on top. Right? Yeah, all the stuff on the bottom begins to surface. And, all, it, and then you'll see bugs on top. And actually spiders can walk on top of it. And, and uh, mosquitoes are doing their thing. And just everything. And nobody in their right mind is going to say like, oh, kids, jump in. Because you're obviously going to get sick. There's bacteria, there's germs, or God knows what, is, uh, what else is in there. Yeah, branches laying down, and something, it's just there, and it's, they're algae-filled, and uh, it's an ugly thing. And, and nobody desires to mess with that river. We just get up and, well, plan B, let's go do something else, let's find a swimming pool. Because you can't, that river is for nothing. But we've gone back another time or two when the rains have come and the river is raised and, and the levels have been up four or five feet and it begins to rush. We've, been, uh, to, we've seen the oasis a time or two when it's raging that when you cross the overpass, the car is like this. When you're, you want to cross quick because you're afraid that the, the pillars or the, uh, the posts that hold that bridge up are going to crumble and fall. And you look at that water and it looks powerful and everything it's whatever's in the way it's dragging it away in a little you just stare a little bit in two or three minutes whatever was there is gone and out of sight god knows where that river went to dump it but then you'll come back a few days later after it's settled and you'll come to that river and ladies and gentlemen the oasis river the free river all these places are very clean rivers you can actually drop a quarter five six seven feet and look down and you'll find it you can see it not like the gulf that we have here. <laughs> Nothing like the drainage canals we used to swim in when we were kids. Amen. We lost friends under there, you know. <laughs> but it's very clear. And when that happened and it ran like that, it would clean. And so that was inviting. You would go in there, you'd refresh, and there was no danger of anything. The kids, you know how they drink water and spit water out. It didn't matter. It's running. It's beautiful. 
Uh, we've seen this river go through particular parks where they're very populated when the river is beautiful. But when it's stagnant, the place is empty. All the RV spots are empty. The cabins are empty. Nobody's there. Maybe one or two people that probably went to see what's going on. But it used to be filled just a season before. But the river is dead and not running. You see, that's just talking about rivers. That has nothing to do with what Jesus was saying, or does it? Does it not speak to us about the things here on earth being a shadow of things? Doesn't it show us now then, if he's talking to us about a river deep within, what happens when that river of God dries out in us? Well, I believe that the Lord would teach us from the simple uh, or earthly things. He would teach us what happens to a Christian who doesn't examine himself to see if that river is running deep within him. He becomes stagnant. A little film of junk begins to form on top of him. Bugs begin to walk all over him. He begins to smell bad. And even if he's around, wherever he's around, he used to bring value. Now it's empty. Nobody wants to go there because you stink. So what is Jesus telling us when he said, There's going to be a river running. He's telling us, ladies and gentlemen, that we need this river. It comes to us as a help of salvation. You see, that river didn't ask for permission when it's running with force. It's not asking that tree to, would you please move out of the water so we can pass by. It drags it out. If it's a car in the middle of the river, that's like, well, can somebody come and please call the repo or some kind of winch to pull? No, no. It'll take the car and throw it out. And this is why we need this river deep in our lives because God knew that there would be things in our lives so heavy that we wouldn't be able to move ourselves unless through the power and the running river of the Holy Spirit. This is why we wrestle With an addiction over and over, it's never moved. Let the river flow. Oh, I'm going through this thing. There's so much junk in my... Let the river flow. It'll fly it all out. Hallelujah. It'll cleanse you out. Oh, I'm addicted to nicotine. Get the river flowing. This is what he's talking about. If you're a believer, this is why we need this running, flowing rambunctious, hold for nothing, get out of my way river. Because there's things in our lives, ladies and gentlemen, that we'll never be able to hurdle over unless it be by the stream and flowing powerful curtains, currents of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Is there a river running in you? Every river, uh, brothers and sisters, that we run into, All they have a destiny. They all have a place to rest. And that is in the sea. Doesn't matter how in the middle of the world it may be. It'll always run to the biggest puddle of water, which is the sea. If it doesn't get there, then it's not a river. It's just a puddle. This is why they call the Dead Sea in the Middle East the Dead Sea. They don't call it the Dead Sea because somebody forgot what else to call it. Well, just dead. No, it's given a name because it serves its purpose. It goes nowhere. It feeds nothing. It's stagnant. This is why the buoyancy level in that, I don't care how big you are, you'll never sink in that place. The minerals are so rich, it doesn't go anywhere. It keeps it all. It hurdles everything, hoards every, everything for itself. 
There's no vegetation on it, nothing. It's dead. That's why they call it the Dead Sea. And this is what happens to someone who is not, who becomes a puddle instead of just, a, instead of a river. There's nothing that's going to be produced through you. There's nothing, you're not going to be able to give life to anything around you. When Jesus said, from deep within shall flow rivers of living water. The reason he did that wasn't just to bring some kind of excitement uh, in our lives. But it was to save your saved life. To get us all the way to our ultimate destiny. And that is the ocean. And what is the ocean to us? It is the spiritual and heavenly Canaan. It is in glory to be with the Father forevermore. That is the hope of glory for the church. Can you say amen? The only way... That we're going to get there. It's through that river. I was watching a documentary just the other day. And they were talking. As a matter of fact, I, I don't know if I told you one time about a missionary trip that I took to Zacatecas. In that area or that particular area, there is a river. Ladies and gentlemen, you're going to think I'm crazy. Well, some of you do already. But there's a river that runs upward. Okay, he's really lost it now. Right? I promise you, they took us there, and I stood right where they wanted me to stand. And I looked, and I saw the river here, and it was going that way. And it, it right beside homes, and people were washing their clothes on it, and I was in awe. I said, this is impossible. Physics, this is wrong. The gravity, what's up? What's wrong with Mexico? <laughs> and we drove, and it, I felt like, and if you drop a cap or anything well then they we drove five or six miles around the canyon and the canyon and we took went out to a ledge to a like a sightseeing ledge and we stood there and we saw the river again and the river is going down so it was an optical illusion and i could get it i said wow as a matter of fact they just discussed those railroad tracks where if you stop a car it goes upward right anybody heard of those well it's not true I know you went there and spent money to go see, but it's not true. As a matter of fact, nothing ever really happened there. Let me just give you some information. That ghosted whatever railroad track in San Antonio that everybody goes to go see because the cars, you stop it, and it'll go towards the track. It, it, it never happened there. It happened somewhere in Wisconsin, but they brought the story down, and San Antonio adopted it. <laughs> They're lying to you, man. I'm telling you. That's why I don't live in San Antonio. I would have moved over there just for that railroad track, but no. Point being, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, but there's one river that defies all physics and the knowledge of men. And that is the river of God. That one does flow up. That one doesn't flow down. And God wants us to get to that great ocean in heaven to glory with him. And the only way. We're going to make it is if we jump in the river and let the river jump in us. It'll take us all the way to the doorstep of heaven. Is there a river in you? Second thing, let me finish this. The second thing that comes to heart as we speak about a rushing river. I find out this, that rivers have a voice. They do have a voice. Now, well, how do you figure that? Have you ever heard a running river? I'm sure you have. 
I've heard a running river. As a matter of fact, the very same Nueces River I told you about, I heard it. We could hear it before we got there. If you'd stop, you could hear. It was hard. You knew that there was a running river up ahead somewhere. And so what does this tell us? What is Jesus telling us concerning this river that should be a characteristic, something that we could see? It, we should have a voice when the river runs through us. When the river runs through us, it's impossible to stay quiet, ladies and gentlemen. You know, the world is dying around us. Such a tragedy that so many people are dying in sin. So many people are dying without hearing simply because the, there is no river running in the church house that's making noise. Have you ever seen documentaries? I'm a real big documentary kind of guy. I like to watch stuff that's for real. Or at least they say it's real. I find it intriguing. But how many times have you read a story where families have been stranded in some deserted place, let it be in the woods or let it be in some desert area where they had no resources for life, no water, no nothing. But all of a sudden in the middle of the night, someone said, I can hear something. What is that? And they hear that. It's coming from that way. And now with whatever strength they have, they gather together. If it's one or two or three or a family, whoever it is, they crawl all the way. But they're listening to that sound only to find that when they break through the forest and whatever it is that's in the way, they see a running river. And what do they do? They go and jump in and drink and satisfy and they regain and they recover. And so they'll ask them to testify what happened. Well, we were... Dying, we ran out of water, the sun was terrible, but all of a sudden we heard something crashing, something was happening, only to walk a mile or two further and there was a river and we were recovered at that moment. We got water and life. A man once said that a river doesn't simply carry water, it carries life. And I believe that when Jesus is speaking to us and challenging us to examine ourselves to see if there's a river one of the characteristics that will prove that there is a river is that you have a voice for Christ. There are so many people dying in this world today. And they stop to listen if there's anybody else to help. And there could be a Christian or two in the workplace right there. And they don't hear nothing. I find it amazing that someone can work at a workplace and two or three years later, because they saw you at some television show or some convention you went to or some listening to some Christian music. Oh, I didn't even know you were a Christian. You're not making any noise. So is there a river running in you? What makes the noise? The crashing of its waves, the undercurrents. It rumbles and moves. You see, it's the movement that causes it to speak out, to let people. Nobody lives next to a rushing river that doesn't know it's there. Think about that. Very logical things I'm speaking to you. Very practical things. I'm making it as practical as I can for you to understand. No one can live next to a rushing river and not know it's there. In the middle of the night, you know it's there. When people come over and if they come in the other side and the river is behind you, they'll say, what is that? Oh, that's the river behind my house. There's a river back there? Yeah, I heard something. Nobody can live close to a running river without knowing of his existence there. Now, the Bible says to us, ladies and gentlemen, 
In 2 Corinthians 5 and 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors in the name of Christ, as if God were pleading through us. I was talking to you about testifying and the need of a voice. You know, the Bible said, ladies and gentlemen, that no one will come into the Father unless the Father brings him. Can you say amen to that? No one. I told the church a testimony that you've heard before when I spoke to you about a good doctor friend of mine who had a tremendously powerful life-defying heart attack. And how we had the privilege, my wife and I and my family, to go and minister to him at the hospital at Luke's before he passed. And he received Jesus Christ. I said, you know, you think it was all about me, the fact that he got saved? No. It's the fact that God had a voice. You see, if no one can come to Christ, maybe you've spoken to your friends, ladies and gentlemen, and you've told them about the experiences in Christ that you've had, but nothing happens. You've tried to tell your children, and nothing happens. You've tried to tell your friends, and nothing's happened. Nothing is affecting them. Have you tried the voice of God? Because the Bible says that no one can come to God unless God speaks to them. And as we speak to them, we are supposed to understand that it is God himself pleading through us. So how do we speak for God? And I find that the answer is very simple here in Scripture. Listen to what John says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 14. His head is, and his hair were white as wool, as snow, his eyes as flame of fire, and his feet like burnished bronze shining as a furnace and his voice if you ever wonder what the voice of God sounds like this is what it sounds like and his voice was like the roar of many waters here we go again water Jesus talking rivers Jesus referring Holy Spirit the only way we can get people to come to Christ is through speaking through the river of the Holy Spirit. We cannot expect any fruit otherwise. Other than that, it'll just be a philosophical view or a matter of opinion. Oh, that's how it worked for you? Oh, good for you. Oh, you're happy now? You were bitter? Oh, good for you. But when the Lord speaks to them, he will melt the knees of the strongest men in this world. Try the river of God. This is why we need that running river deep within us. Because that is the very voice of God deep within us. It's to be the voice of many waters. The river. Jesus wasn't simply making a recommendation. He was not only speaking concerning sending someone to help you work out your salvation. But something that would go beyond you and help others find the salvation. Can I make this tremendous statement? And this is my opinion. And it can just be my opinion. It doesn't have to be yours. But one of the biggest reasons why we're losing the battle of the saved is because there's little river running through the house of God anymore. Because we spend more time trying to work out the logistics, the external logistics as to how to bring people into church Instead of letting the river flow. Because the river will make enough noise to attract the lost one to come. The river will make noise in your life 
that it will cause you to stand up straight and walk your walk with God with strength. It'll cause you to move and make a noise for the lost. And when people see you, they're not seeing someone who simply has an opinion of how it worked out, how he took that pill called Jesus and it made him feel better. That's not what we're representing. We're talking about the salvation of a soul that otherwise will end up in a Christless eternity. How many of us have sons, daughters, sisters, brothers, fathers, mothers, grandparents, grandmas that aren't saved? Everybody does. Come on. I should see every hand. Don't be lazy. Raise your hand. Don't you think that's urgent enough? Can you see yourself rejoicing in heaven while your brother, your sister, mother, grandpa, anybody, the loved one is spending a Christless eternity in hell? Jesus knew you wouldn't be happy with that. This is why he said, I'm going to give you a voice. But the only place you're going to find that voice is by having that river flow through you. So what the church needs today, ladies and gentlemen, is to jump into the river and let the river jump into you. And by that, all men will know that there is a living God at Rock of Ages. That there is a true, working, miraculous, life-saving, soul-winning God living in this place and in our lives. I close with asking you again, as you place your hand over your heart, is there a river in me? Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.